grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is written for us in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, beginning at the fourth verse. Please stand. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son to be born of a woman so that he would be born under the law in order to redeem those under the law so that we would be adopted as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts to shout, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if you are a son, then you are also an heir of God through Christ. So far our text, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have gathered once again in your house to hear your holy word. We pray that you would speak to us through it, dispel our doubts and fears, and strengthen our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Grant us your spirit to this end. Sanctify us through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> In Jesus the Christ, dear fellow redeemed. This morning I, I want to share a, a personal story of, of God's timing and it's about how I got to be a pastor and came to the United States. So I had thought about being a pastor in high school, but not very seriously. And uh, I went away and, and got an engineering degree. In my third year of engineering, late one night I was sitting writing up, you would call it a lab, I call it a prac. And I just realized I was going to come and train to be a pastor. Now, that was third year of engineering. In my mind, my plan was that I would complete my engineering degree and then go and work for five years. And then I would come to America and train to be a pastor. Well, I graduated from engineering. And then about three years out, I realized I have to go. I have to go and train to be a pastor. So I came over, went through Bethany for a year doing Greek and Hebrew and then seminary and, and here I am today. Okay. Now why was my plan not God's plan in the timing of things? I can actually look back now and I can see part of God's planning in that. If I had waited two more years my wife, Katie, would not have been at Bethany. Bethany was only a two-year institution at that time. So if I'd come two years later, maybe I would have never met her. So God had specific timing in mind for me to be at Bethany campus when she would start school here and then I finished seminary the year, or I should say I finished classroom of seminary the year that she graduated with an associate's here. Perfect timing for us to get married, move to Arizona. Okay. 
So I can look back and say, oh, maybe that's why God had it timed specifically that way. I'm sure there was lots more involved. (laughs) Everything that God was taking into account, all of the factors in my life and the world as he's moving all of the pieces on his board, I would only have at best just a glimpse of all that God was doing in his timing. In our text, Paul writes of the coming of Jesus. And it says, when the time set had fully come. We maybe would translate that at just the right time. When everything had fallen into place, God acted And he sent his son. What were some of those factors that caused that time to be God's time for the sending of Jesus? Again, we could only get a glimpse of all of the factors that God was taking into account. But one of them would have been what we call the Pax Ramona, the peace of Rome. There was a period of time of relative stability where the Roman Empire knew a relative peace. And it was in that time that God sent his son. That relatively, relative peace was definitely a factor in the spread of Christianity. Another factor could have been that the Jewish religious life was probably at a real low. Even the most religious people of Israel of the day had had gutted God's word of its real meaning. They were focusing on the commands of God and not the grace and mercy of God. So maybe that was a factor too. But whatever factors God was considering, when the time had fully come, when it was just right, God sent his son. And our text tells us why God sent his son. He sent him to redeem those under the law. So to redeem those under the law, God's son had to be born under the law. That word sent is a very loaded term in in the Greek language. It doesn't just mean sending out in the sense of Sending someone on a journey, moving someone from somewhere to someone else, somewhere else. It actually means a commission. It more speaks of being sent from somewhere to achieve something. 
God sent his son. God commissioned the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, to be born of a woman and to redeem humanity. To redeem those under the law, Jesus had to become one of us. God gave his law, his moral law, to mankind. To be under that law, our Savior had to be one of us. Had to be human in every sense of the word. So God became man so that he could carry the burden of the law. Part of the mission that God gave his son was to live a perfect life. To successfully carry the burden of God's law. Which we could summarize with Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, when we look at that law, sometimes we deceive ourselves about how good we are. We, we think of ourselves as, as a good person. We know we're not perfect, but we're surely not that bad. The trouble is that regardless of how good you see yourself, the important question is, how does God see you? You may look at other people and say, well, Lord, there's a lot worse people out there. Surely that's good enough. God didn't send his son to live a good enough life. He sent him to live a perfect life under the law. And in reality, that's the only life that is good enough in God's eyes. And God had to send his son because none of us have been good enough to live the life that meets God's standard. And so we all needed to be redeemed. We all needed God to send his son. And he did. He sent his son and his son lived a perfect life in our place. And there are at least two times that God verbally expressed his pleasure with Jesus. At his baptism and at the Mount of Transfiguration, God spoke and said, This is my son. With him I am well pleased. But there's another important event in Jesus' life that shows us that God was pleased with Jesus. And that's his resurrection. We often think of Jesus' resurrection as God's stamp of approval on our salvation. And that's true. 
But in one way, it's a stamp of approval on Jesus' life. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he was proclaiming to the world, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He has lived a perfect life. He has lived a life without sin. He's done exactly what I sent him to do. So Jesus became, or he should be more precise, the Son of God became man and lived a perfect life for us. And the Son of God was also commissioned to die for us. When we look at what the law demands, it demands a perfect life. That's, in a sense, one edge of the law. The other edge of the law is that if you break it, you deserve to die. So to redeem us, it wasn't enough that Jesus would live a perfect life in our place because then the other edge of the Lord would, law would still cut us. So to redeem us from the burden of the law, Jesus suffered both edges. And he died in our place. Whatever God's law demanded in punishment for the things that we have thought, said, and done, Jesus suffered. However deeply that law had to cut Jesus, whatever pain it had to afflict on him in body and soul, Jesus fully satisfied. And that too is also verified by his resurrection. Whatever the Lord demanded with regard to his life and his death, God raising Jesus from the dead proclaims to us that it's fully satisfied. And therefore this mission of redeeming mankind has been completed. Your sins have all been paid for from the least of them to the greatest. So that what our text says is true about you. By faith you are now God's child. By faith you can now cry out, Abba, Father. Not to just some earthly entity, but to the ruler of heaven and earth. You now are in a perfect relationship with God in heaven. That's why Jesus came. To restore your relationship with your creator. And that really is the joy of Christmas. That's what we celebrate. 
that God has intervened in mankind's history and destiny in my history and destiny in your history and destiny so that your sins are forgiven and heaven is open to you. If we were to keep that in mind, how would that change our approach to the daily struggles that we face? I'm a citizen of heaven. My Father rules all things and He loves me. I have nothing to fear. I can be patient as God works out all things for my good. So I don't know what timing God has in mind for you. But I know He has it. Maybe you can look back on things that have happened in your life and say, Oh, Lord, that's what you were doing? Maybe you can't. But we know at just the right time he sent his son. And at just the right time, he'll take us to be with him in heaven. May God bless your Christmas vacation and your Christmas celebrations. As you remember God's timing and all that he has done to get you safely to heaven. To him be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to rescue us from our sins and to get us safely to heaven. We pray that you would grant us your Holy Spirit and preserve us in this faith until we finally see you face to face. We command all things into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.